everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the manager of BT Powerhouse and your host for our podcast festivities today. It is Sunday, February 12th. Um, it's about 4 o'clock Eastern in the afternoon. Um, there are two games today, the first being Michigan at Indiana, the second being Northwestern at Wisconsin. The first one is concluded, but I did want to preface with the fact that we are not podcasting before or after the second one. Uh, just the way the schedule worked out, uh, this was the best time to do it. Um, so obviously a lot of you will probably be listening to this Monday or Tuesday. So please keep in mind that game has not happened yet. Um, and it will shortly after today's podcast, I think it's at like six thirty Eastern. So sometime in the evening hours, but a lot to talk about. We haven't had a podcast here in a little bit. Uh, again, sorry about that. We're trying to get more regular here, but we've had some staff overall here over the last week or two. So it's been a little difficult to, uh, get the podcast going on a consistent basis. But um, as always, we're going to be sticking to the uh, our typical format here. We're going to start with what what's on the minds uh, at this moment. For me personally, you know, the big thing jumping out uh, is, you know, that Indiana-Michigan game concluded about an hour-ish ago, um, if even that long. Uh, the Wolverines score a huge road win against Indiana. Both those teams fighting for NCAA eligibility. Um, the Hoosiers come up short at home. A lot of pressure now on Tom Crean and his staff. Uh, Michigan gets a little bit of a monkey off their back. They haven't won on the road in a very long time, but they do score uh, their first road win of the season, their first road win in more than a calendar year. Yeah, they hadn't won since last February at Minnesota, who um, was obviously horrible <laughs> last year. Um, and really, if you go back, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about this in a second, but if you go back, Michigan hasn't beaten a good team on the road in a couple years. Um, they did beat North Carolina State last year, who ended up being relatively mediocre. They had finished 16-17, but they were at least okay. Um, they beat Penn State on the road as well, but they really haven't recorded many notable road wins since they Michigan won the Big Ten championship in that 2013-14 season. So it's been a long time coming. Um, now, Indiana may not end up being a great opponent. We'll have to see how they finish here. But uh, but it was a big win for, for Michigan. They get a little breathing room now as far as the NCAA tournament goes. Uh, they have six games left. In my opinion, they have to win three of those. And specifically why I think they have to win at least three is they play Rutgers and Nebraska still, who are both um, really far down in the RPI. So losing either of those games would be a big hit. Um, the good news for Michigan is they're – well, good news in quotes here is that uh, <laughs> they're both on the road, so at least those would add potentially two more road wins to your resume. So I, I think that's an opportunity for Michigan to make up some ground, and they have a lot of a lot of quality opponents coming down the stretch here outside of those two. So. Uh, big win for Michigan, but I, I'd say that's the top thing. The other thing, though, and what I think is the more significant story is that Indiana is now careening out of control. They have lost their last three games, including two at home. They've lost five of their last six with the only win coming in triple overtime against Penn State in a game that, frankly, should have been over because Josh Newkirk did not get off that shot in the first overtime. So you can make a pretty strong argument that right now, Indiana should have lost its last six games, including three at home. Again, they did win the Penn State game, at least on paper. Um, and they are 5-8 and eight in the Big Ten, 15-11 overall. And what's particularly scary now is their closing stretch is very difficult. Uh, Really, I, I think it, I think it's so difficult that we may actually be to the point where we can consider Indiana very unlikely to make the NCAA tournament. And here's why. And I'm going to get into the whole Indiana situation a little bit later in the podcast. But I want to I want to start with this just to at least throw this out here. Indiana now has five regular season games remaining. Obviously, they'll get one in the Big Ten tournament, at least one. Uh, this next week, they're going to get Minnesota on the road. Um, and then following that, they get Iowa on the road, Northwestern at home 
on a, a Saturday. I think that's a day game. Uh, no, Saturday night game. So they at least get the home atmosphere at night. But they already lost to Northwestern. So it, and they lost by 13 to the Wildcats. So I, I don't think even with that at home at night, we can consider that anything close to a guaranteed win. And then they finish the season on the road against Purdue, on the road against Ohio State. Now, this is, uh, again, Sunday afternoon, so things may change a little bit. We'll see what Northwestern does. Um, but Indiana currently is an underdog in four of those last five. The only game they're favored in is against Northwestern, um, the only home game. And they are projected, and this is all by Ken Palm, and they are projected to finish the season at 17-14 and 14 overall, 7-11 and 11 in the Big Ten, which – Let's just start with the fact that if they finish at that, they will not make the NCAA tournament. They will make the NIT. And frankly, they may even have a little bit of a challenge to make the NIT, depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks and depending on uh, you know, who that potential first-round Big Ten tournament matchup is against. Because you know, if they finish the season at a 7-11, and 11, they very well could be in that bottom four in one of those Wednesday games. Um, and, you know, if they lose to Rutgers, if they lose to Nebraska, something like that, that would be a death blow to their RPI, um, especially with that on a neutral court. So that that's something to at least float out in the air. But, uh, you know, Indiana in big-time trouble right now. I think at this point you can put them in the unlikely category for the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't consider them a bubble team anymore, you know, having lost uh, <laughs> five of their last six here. Um and the pressure is hitting, which we'll we'll get to in a, uh, in a little bit here. But um, so yeah, I, I'd say that's the big story as far as things are sitting right now. A lot of pressure building on Tom Crean and his staff. Indiana looks like they're in big trouble, and you know for the Big Ten, unfortunately, it looks like they're going to lose another potential tournament team. So big blow for them, big win for Michigan. Um, it was, I I will just add that. Sunday night game, I think, is going to be a, a big-time one. I do think Wisconsin's going to get the win, but should be interesting. But moving into uh, our, our next segment here, jumping from the top to the bottom as far as the Big Ten goes, um, not not a ton to take away as far as the Big Ten title race goes here, um, frankly, because the title contenders keep winning. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, again, I know there has been changes since our last podcast, but at least in the last week or so, not much has changed. Um, Wisconsin is still the clear favorite to win the Big Ten or at least share the title. Uh, Purdue has made has made a serious move. They've won six of their last seven. The only loss was on the road against Nebraska in that really, really tight game. Um, and specifically, their last three games have been really impressive wins for the Boilermakers. They get a home win over Northwestern where they just completely beat down the Wildcats. And then they follow that up with road wins at Maryland and at Indiana. Um, obviously that road win at Indiana isn't looking as great, but considering the rival aspects of that game, that's, that's still a huge road win. Um, you know, raucous atmosphere, huge, huge win for the Boilermakers. So Purdue pushes their record to 20 and five. They're nine and three in the big 10. They have a very, very manageable closing slate. Um, Really, the only the only challenging games are going to be on the road at Michigan, on the road at Northwestern. At least on paper, uh, you know, never want to rule out crazy things. But I think Purdue's a great matchup against Michigan and Northwestern. So I, I think Purdue's going to feast in those games. And frankly, I think Purdue's going to win out. You know, I don't want to rule out a potential road upset because Purdue has been pretty inconsistent on the road this season. But I I think Purdue's going to win out and. You know, this whole Big Ten, uh, you know, I should I should throw out our last Big Ten title contender here, um, Maryland. Um, they are sitting at 21-4, and 9-3. They beat Ohio State at home last Saturday. But I think the instant Maryland lost to Penn State last Tuesday, and to recap this a little bit for people who haven't been paying attention to the Terps as much, uh, Tuesday, January 31st, the last day of the month in January, they beat Ohio State on the road. They're 20-2, and 8-1 the Big Ten. They're tied for first. Very, very legitimately in the Big Ten title race. They follow that up by losing to Purdue at home in a close one, which not a bad loss at all. You know, Purdue's a really good team. You're still in, in the mix there. You know, you've got to make up some ground, but still in the mix. 
Then you lose on the road at Penn State, and then you recap with that Ohio State win at home. But I think once they lost to Penn State, it's it's going to be so hard for Maryland to make up ground on Wisconsin and Purdue. Um, and frankly, just because I don't think Maryland is, is quite as good as those teams. I think they're on the same tier, the, that overall tier, but I don't think they're as good as the Badgers or Boilermakers, which I think is going to make it an uphill battle. And especially with uh, this next week, they're getting Northwestern on the road on Wednesday and then Wisconsin on the road on Sunday. The Badgers haven't lost at home in over a year. I will note a little asterisk there that they play Northwestern at home this evening, as I've mentioned a couple times. Um, and Northwestern, frankly, uh, a lot of people think that they're just as good as Maryland, if not better. So, I mean, I don't particularly agree with that, but it is on the road. So I, I think most likely you're looking at one in one best case scenario in those two games. Perhaps you can pull them both out, but realistically one in one in that stretch. And then you got four losses. You still got Minnesota, Iowa at home, uh, Rutgers on the road, and then Michigan State at home. I, I just think it's going to be very tough to get through that final four game stretch without one loss. And even if you do, uh, you still, you're going to have to effectively make up three games unless you beat Wisconsin on the road um, next week on Sunday. So I think Maryland's still in the conversation, but just barely. I think realistically they, they are out of it. I think your race is Purdue and Wisconsin. And really the only thing to watch is will Wisconsin slip up? Because at the moment, Wisconsin's in great shape to win the Big Ten. Um, and they have some challenging games ahead. There's no doubt, you know, even tonight, Northwestern, a, a quality opponent at home, but I think the Badgers are the team to beat. And the only, it, this only truly becomes a story, I guess, is my point is if Wisconsin slips up, otherwise it's their title to lose and Purdue and Maryland will mainly be battling out for that number two seed in the, the big 10 tournament. Um, moving on more towards the middle group here. Uh, some of the, the bubbleish teams, uh, NCAA thoughts, where do I think these teams are? Um, specifically Northwestern, Michigan State, Michigan, and Minnesota. Those are all, at least according to the bracketology experts, the team, the Big Ten teams in that bubble-ish conversation. I use the ish just because none of those four are locks, but they all look like they could get in um, without something insane happening, so to speak. Um, I think Minnesota and Northwestern are fairly safe bets at this point. As I've said, uh, Northwestern, it's going to take a hell of a collapse for them to miss it, to be frank. Um, you know, they're 18 and six right now. They have some quality wins. They've done work away from home and they get uh, some big opportunities at the end of the season. They get some very winnable games here. You know, that Illinois loss at home last week was a real disappointing game, but I think especially if Scotty Lindsay comes back, I think they'll be in good shape and, it's more, it's more of them just putting the final couple of nails in the coffin. I, I think they are, they are pretty safe to get in. Um, Minnesota as well. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago when they were in the midst of their uh, five-game losing streak that I thought they were still a pretty safe bet for the NCAA tournament. I still believe that. Uh, they have a three-game winning streak right now. They have uh, the win against Illinois on the road, home win against Iowa, and then road win against Rutgers on Saturday. And um, really, really, they probably need two. Uh, I think three wins would guarantee them a bit at this point. Um, and they get Indiana and Michigan next at home in this upcoming week, which, frankly, you know, Indiana obviously hasn't looked great. I, Michigan has been vulnerable on the road. I think they could sweep both those games. If they sweep those two, they probably lock up a bid. Um, but then they get – Penn State at home and Nebraska at home later in the year. So, I mean, I, I think you would have need an, again, like a meltdown type situation for them to miss it, especially because they're going to get a big 10 tournament opportunity as well. So I think those two teams are pretty safe and it's more about where they're going to get seated, where are they going to fall in the big 10 tournament, which, you know, there's too many uh, potential scenarios to get into there. Uh, as far as Michigan and Michigan State goes, I already talked about Michigan. I think they need three more wins in the regular season to get in that conversation. Um, and then, obviously, a, either a fourth win in the regular season or a fourth win in the Big Ten tournament should lock them into a bid. That's that's how I see it. 
I know there's going to be kind of debate about, well, what if it's these wins or that, those wins? But I think that's the big one. I think if, if you're a Michigan fan, I think what you want is, uh, well, obviously you want to win out, but realistically what you want is you want a big win either over Wisconsin or Purdue at home because that would be a huge RPI win, particularly if you get Wisconsin this Thursday. Um, you want you have to beat Rutgers in Nebraska because those would just be devastating RPI hits. You get those two road wins. You avoid a bad loss uh, to either of those two. You get a huge marquee win. I think you're in good shape at that point if that happens. But we'll, we'll obviously see on them. I, I already talked about them, so I don't want to dive into them too much again. Uh, as far as the Spartans go, um, they won three of their last four. Um, unfortunately for Spartan fans, the one loss was a blowout loss to Michigan last Tuesday, which, uh, you know, we're getting into a lot of these because the Big Ten has such a deep bubble group this year. But, you know, it, that one hurts. Well, excluding the rivalry aspects, that one hurts twice. Because uh, first off, you get a loss and you just need wins. Um, and the, the second part is because Michigan's another bubble team, it hurts even more because obviously you want the other bubble teams losing. So, but that aside, I do think Michigan still, or excuse me, Michigan State's still in pretty solid shape here. They get Ohio State at home on Valentine's Day, which uh, the Spartans should be in good shape to win that game. I know they lost to Ohio State earlier this year, but that should be a win. Um, And then they're going to get Purdue on the road, Nebraska at home, Wisconsin at home, and then Illinois and Maryland on the road. I think there are, there's a pretty realistic path to at least three more wins. And that's Ohio state at home, Nebraska at home, and then Illinois on the road. None of those, you're going to need a great performance to win those games. You can play relatively average, like, uh, and get those three wins that gets you to 18 and three, 10 and eight in the big 10. Um, you still have a good strength of schedule. And the good news as well is if you only win those two, uh, your three losses down the stretch would be road losses to Maryland and Purdue and a home loss to Wisconsin. None of those would be bad for the RPI because those opponents are so good. But I think three gets you into the conversation. However, uh, if you want any confidence, you're going to need four um, and you're going to need to knock off one of those big time opponents at home or on the road. The Wisconsin home game is obviously the, the most likely just because it comes at home. Um, and I, I do think you're going to need one in the Big Ten tournament um, unless you're going to rack up like five. Uh, but I think the Spartans, they, I guess to, to put it this way, um, they have a very high floor, a very low ceiling. I, I think the route to 18 wins, as I mentioned, is pretty, pretty foreseeable, pretty easy. I don't want to call it easy because nothing's ever easy at this time of the season. Um, but I think the route to 18 wins, which I think gets them into the bubble situation, uh, very easy to see. Unfortunately, getting beyond that is going to be very tough. Um, and beyond 19 in the regular season is going to be extremely difficult. So we'll see how they progress. I do think Michigan State's still going to get in at this point. But, uh, you know, if, if they show up how they did in that Michigan game and some of these road games, uh, they're going to be they're going to be in, in tough shape, but I do think they're going to get in. Uh, moving moving past them though, I've actually gotten some requests from people. They want some more NIT talk, so I'm not going to dive into the NIT too deeply, just because I know uh, um, <laughs> it's it, it's kind of hell on on earth uh, for some people to hear about the NIT just because they don't like it. Um, but I I will try to get into this briefly with some of the respectable bottom teams, if that makes sense, of the Big Ten here. Um, they have, uh, you got Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, and Illinois. And as I said, I don't think Indiana is making the NCAA tournament. I think it's over, barring a, a big-time run in, in uh, Washington, D.C., which is certainly possible. We've seen it, but I think barring that, as I mentioned, uh, it's over for the Hoosiers uh, after today's loss to Michigan. But I think you know, given that Indiana is in great shape to make the NIT, Ohio State is in great shape to make the NIT. Um, I, I do think Illinois is actually in good shape, and I'm going to get to them a little bit. I want to talk about the whole John Gross situation, 
but I still think they're in pretty good shape to make the NIT as well. They have a pretty manageable closing slate here, um, including a Northwestern team at home, which would be a solid win. And, uh, you know, a team they already beat less than a week ago. So, I mean, I think Illinois, barring, you know, some horrible play like they had last Saturday, I think they're in pretty good shape. And I, I think, uh, who, who am I missing here? Uh, yeah, Ohio State, Iowa, Indiana, I think are in real solid shape. I think Illinois is in relatively solid shape here, barring some really, really tough play down the stretch. I think Penn State is going to be in tough shape just because the schedule is so tough down the stretch um, that they're going to need a, a real solid finish or a Big Ten tournament run. Um, I do think the Nittany Lions can make it, but, man, you're talking about a road trip to Nebraska, home game against Purdue, road trip to Minnesota, home game against Ohio State, road trip to Iowa. Not one of those are guaranteed win. Um, and, frankly, I, I could see them losing every single one of those games down the stretch. Do I think they will? No. I don't think they will. I think most likely they'll probably win two or three of those things, but that only gets you to 16 and 15, 17 and 14 ish. That's, that's not going to be a surefire NIT uh, bid, especially with a relatively down big 10 year. So I, I think uh, Penn state's going to have an uphill climb here. Um, maybe even Illinois to an extent, given how they've played, but I do think Iowa, Indiana, Ohio state are all in uh, real solid shape to, to make the NIT. Um, as far as the bottom, not not too much to take away at the moment. You know, the wheels have kind of fallen off for Nebraska and Rutgers, both of them struggling. We'll, we'll see if they can do any damage in the Big Ten tournament. But otherwise, not a ton to take away on those teams uh, as far as this season goes. The big story for them will be uh, what's ahead. And uh, I'll save a lot of those discussions for the summer, obviously. Um, but, but with that, I want to dive into our, our big topic today. Now that we've sort of set the table as far as the Big Ten goes, and that's the whole hot seat scenarios for Illinois and Indiana. Um, I'm going to start with the Illini. I know I've talked about Indiana a good hunk already today, but I'm going to start with the Illini. I wrote a piece. It's on btpowerhouse.com right now, published Saturday after Illinois' embarrassing loss to Penn State um, on Saturday afternoon. They lost by a final of 83-70. Game was not competitive at all down the stretch. Penn State really took it to the Illini. Um, the the big the premise of the article was uh, it's time to move on from John Gross, and I think a lot of Illinois fans uh, agreed with the sentiment, or at least that's the feedback I got. Now, granted, maybe it's a little flawed because uh, people who want to fire coaches are usually a little more vocal than <laughs> than the rest of the fan base, but. I do. I I really think it's time for Illinois to move on from John Gross. I I really don't like writing the whole obituary articles on coaches at schools. You know, it's, it's disappointing. And, you know, these are real people who obviously, you know, their life is is in this, but uh, you know, you kind of have to call them as you see it. And it's time for Illinois to turn the page on this, you know, give you know, thank John Gross for what he did in that first season. Thank him for, what he's put on this roster, but he just, the results are not there. I'm, I'm sorry. This is year five for gross. He has had one remarkable season at all. It was the first season. They went 23 and 13. They made the NCAA tournament. Um, They kind of got screwed out of that Miami round of 32 game. So maybe they make the sweet 16. Maybe they do a little damage beyond that, but uh, you know, a, a round of 32 appearance in the NCAA tournament. And since then, it has just been regression. You know, they dropped to 20 wins the next season. They go to the NIT. They dropped to 19 the year after they go to the NIT. Last year, they're 15 and 19. They don't even qualify for the NIT. Uh, they do have a little run at the end of the season in the Big Ten tournament, which gets some fans excited. But they get leveled by Purdue in their final Big Ten tournament game done for the year at 15 and 19, as I, as I mentioned. And then this year, they're currently 14 and 12. They are not even close to making the NCAA tournament. As I mentioned, I'm not even sure if they're going to make the NIT. I think they're going to have to do some serious work down the stretch here. And this is not a great Big Ten. 
this is a relatively soft Big Ten, and Illinois is completely coming off off the wheels here. They, you know, they've lost four of their last five. They've won two games since mid-January, um, and what what are they here? So two and seven over that stretch. They're two and seven over the last nine games. That includes four home losses, a season sweep, or I don't even know how to phrase that, but Penn State swept them during those nine games. Uh, they lost to Michigan on the road, a team they had beaten. They lost to Minnesota at home. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rip on them for losing to Wisconsin or Purdue because that's reasonable, but you know, just a really disappointing, embarrassing stretch. And I, I don't think there's any way to put it better what John Gross has been to Illinois than this last week. You know, over the last eight days or so, you lose to Minnesota at home. You follow that up with a win at Northwestern, a good Northwestern team, not a bad Northwestern team, a good one. And then you get blown out at home against Penn State. Well, maybe not blown out, but handled uh, in convincing fashion. They're 14 and 12. They're four and nine in the Big Ten. They have collapsed basically every year under John Gross late in the season, um, and, and particularly since that uh, that first season. I mean, if you look, like I, I just want to go through this for for a second here. Um, 2013-14. So this is John Gross's second year. They started out 13 and two. They lost their next eight games. <laughs> it's almost unbelievable, and they lose ten of their next of their uh, following eleven games after that thirteen and two start. If you're thirteen and two, if you ever get to thirteen and two, and this is a year when the Big Ten was really good, they were thirteen and two. They had some relatively respectable non-conference wins. Um, they beat Indiana. Uh, they open Big Ten play at two and zero. They finished the year twenty and fifteen in the NIT. I mean, talk about a collapse. And I mean, I think everybody can remember too. That was the year that they uh, they lost a close one to a Michigan team that was not. Well, actually, sorry, I'm mixing up my years here. They lost to Michigan a couple times in the Big Ten tournament. They lost that nail biter game to Michigan. That was a, actually a really good Michigan team. So I'm not going to rip them on them for that. But, excuse me, absolute collapse in that year. So that's John Gross's second year. John Gross's third year, they get to 10-3. and three. They have a win against Baylor, a really good Baylor team. They do beat Missouri. Missouri was not very good that year. But they get to 10-3 and three entering Big Ten play. They finish the regular season at 19-12. and 12. They lose to Michigan in blowout fashion. And this is the year. This is the one I was thinking of where Michigan was not good at all that year. Michigan didn't even make the NIT. They get blown out in a must-win game. Then they get blown out by Alabama in the NIT. And, by the way, before that, their last regular season game was a loss to Purdue. So they lose. They're in the situation where basically any win gets them into the NCAA tournament. They respond by losing to Purdue, getting blown out by Michigan, and then when they did get relegated to the NIT, they get blown out by Alabama just a horrible finish to the season. And that's year three, year four. And I know Illinois fans right now are just furious listening to this, but uh, they start out, this is last season. They start out eight and five. They have a win against Yale. And remember, this is a good Yale team. This is the Yale team that beat Baylor in the NCAA tournament. This is a legitimate good Yale team. So they're eight and five and they finish the season 13 and 18. 5-13 Five and thirteen in the Big Ten. As I mentioned, they do a little damage in the Big Ten tournament, but they get wrecked by Purdue in their final game, and they don't even make the NIT. This year, I don't. I don't want to rehash everything that happened this year, but again, they start ten three again. Hot start, great play in non-conference play, and then they collapse in Big Ten play. This has been a recurring sample, and one of the things I, I want to talk about and. Again, because I don't think there's any Illini fan out there that won't recognize with five years under his belt, John Gross has thoroughly underwhelmed. He has not met expectations. I don't think there's any single Illinois fan out there that would debate that argument. Part of the debate then becomes, well, 
you know, are things going to turn around? Is this just the struggles that are going to turn into the next page? Because, you know, a good example is Illinois, it's not Illinois, Minnesota. You know, everybody wanted to fire Richard Pitino. Um, he finally gets some good big time talent. He lands some big transfers. You know, they're sitting 18 and seven. They're in great shape to make the NCAA tournament. And frankly, they got a lot of talent coming back. Nate Mason should be back. Amir Coffey should be back. McGuire should be back. Murphy's probably going to be back. Reggie Lynch is probably going to be back. You can make a legitimate argument that Minnesota, especially with their talented recruiting class, could be a Big Ten title contender next year. I don't know if they will win it, but they could be a very good top 25 team. So this is kind of the, the concept. Well, is Illinois heading in that direction? First off, I don't think we've seen anything that's that's indicating that. Um, there has been no uptick. There's no young guys who are popping out on this team. I mean, it's I, I guess Lucas to an extent, but really this team has been about the same for the last three years. It's just been mediocre. Um, now, the one thing a lot of people will point to is the 2017 recruiting class. I don't think there's any debating. It's a great class. It's probably the Big Ten's best class coming in this year. Um, it might even be the Big Ten's best class in the last couple years. Um, I don't. I don't want to get too deep into those comparisons, just because it's, you know, it's difficult to do, um, because you're, you're comparing so many parts. But you know, a lot of people are going to bring up that. You know, well, with this recruiting class, do you want Gross to leave? Don't you want to give him at least a shot with that recruiting class to to do some damage? Here, here is my response to that. First off, you know, this isn't year one with a recruiting class. This isn't year two, year three, year four. This is year five, and he would be going into year six. I'm sorry, you cannot talk about recruiting when you're this far into your tenure. That, that's my first thing. I understand a lot of these arguments. The, the two biggest ones you get with hot seat coaches is, first off, they inherited a mess, which I'll talk about a little bit with Crean. The second is, well, let them get their guys. Let them get their guys. These are all John Gross's guys. He's been here long enough. These are all guys recruited by John Gross, quote-unquote developed by John Gross, and the entire roster is constructed with under his design. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, just, just give him a little more time to get his guys in there. Now, I will acknowledge that 17 class is really talented, and, and who knows – what exactly ends up happening one way or the other uh, with the class. I know they have signed, but I'm not going to sit here and say for sure those guys end up playing at Illinois if John Gross leaves. But I'm sorry, I heard the exact same things in 2015. I feel like everyone has forgotten this. John Gross had a great 2015 class. Outside of Jalen Coleman lands, that class has done nothing, absolutely nothing for Illinois. You have a couple role players, and you got some guys who aren't on the team anymore. I don't know if the 17 class would do the same thing, but I'm not going to sit here and say it for sure will work because he had a great recruiting class that year. He's recruited relatively well every single year of his tenure for the most part, and he's landed some key transfers. Let's not forget those either. Um, you know, Mike Thorne. Everybody forget about him. You know, Kipper Nichols, these are key transfers who have not lived up to the hype at all under John Gross. And frankly, I think you can make a little bit of an argument with Thorne. I know there have been injury issues, but you can make an argument that he's actually regressed since he's gotten there. I'm not going to get into that now, but you can make that argument. But my point here is if you're going to pin yourself to this recruiting stuff, you can't do it this late in the tenure. Um, the time, frankly, has run out for those kind of excuses. John Gross, if barring a run here to end the season, I think you just got to move on. You know, let someone else get a shot. Thank him for landing those recruits. Thank him for that first year, but it has not worked out. The excitement is gone, and I just I don't think you can afford another year in neutral um, if you're Illinois. Uh, you know, Illinois is not Kentucky. They're not Duke. They're not UCLA. But this is a proud basketball program with a lot of history. Um, you know, the biggest streak that I've, I've talked about consistently is from the early 90s through John Gross's first year in 2012-13, you know, dash 13, that season, Illinois had never missed the tournament two years in a row. 
every year they always, if they missed it, they rebounded or they just kept the streak going. Um, John Gross has smashed that uh, <laughs> since he got there. I mean, uh, that, that streak is dead and they're about to miss the tournament for the fourth straight season. That has not happened since 1980 for Illinois. We're talking about decades and decades and decades. That is more than a decade before I was born. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to get into that, but I mean, these are terrible achievements that Illinois is, is getting under gross. And um, frankly, you know, I encourage everyone to read the article. You know, maybe I'm a little more eloquent than what I'm rambling here, but time is up and it's, it's time for Illinois to move on and get a new coach. As far as new hires, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily the deepest field out there as, as far as new coaches go. I think you got to do the old kick the tires on, on some of the, the big mid-major guys. Um, you know, you're not going to get Greg Marshall, but hey, maybe kick the tires, see if he, if he would have any interest. Again, he's not going to, but eh, you never know. Might as well try. Um, uh, the other big name that is going to be thrown around constantly is Archie Miller for Dayton Um, I do think this is my opinion I think he's going somewhere this year I think this is the year he's finally going to make the jump I don't know if uh, it will be to Illinois I guess is my statement but um, I do think he will I think the one that that really has to kill people is uh, Brad Underwood was just unstoppable at Stephen F. Austin. He moves to Oklahoma State. He has them in really good shape. Now, granted, he inherited a pretty good roster there, but they are – I don't know if they're going to make the tournament, but they're going to at least be in the discussion. And they're good. Like, they're a good team, and that is year one with him. If if Illinois could somehow turn his head, I don't know if Illinois has the cachet to do that right now, but I I think you try. Uh, I, I, I think that guy is such an underrated coach nationally. Nobody knows about him or talks about him, but uh, <clears throat> those are some of the names I would throw out. And then the other, uh, at least for the Midwest, Chris Mack at uh, Xavier, you know, they've obviously been a machine under him the last couple of years. You know, they're on, they're in great position to have their fourth straight 20 plus win season. Um, and what would that be? So he's been there. What? I want to say eight years, eight years, and he's had one season without 20 wins, which is just incredible for, uh, you know, a Xavier program that has, hasn't been like completely unstoppable historically. They were, they were, have had a great run of coaches, but uh, maybe, maybe you can get Chris Mack interested. I don't know. Maybe the big 10 money can move him, but I I would say those are some of the names you got to kick around and then just move down. You know, there are plenty of mid-major coaches out there, but, so that, that's my opinion on where John Gross sits. I won't ramble any longer as, as far as that goes. And I'll, I'll get back to the whole Indiana situation here. I, I think it, Tom Crean has clearly, clearly moved himself back onto the hot seat. I think everyone said last year after he had won the Big Ten title, they beat Kentucky in the uh, the postseason, what was that, the, the round of 32, that – he had moved himself off the hot seat. It wasn't going to come back, so on and so forth. He's back on it. I don't care what anyone says. He's back on it. I don't know if the administration has moved totally in that way, but he is firmly on it at the moment, I, in my opinion. And, you know, the difference with Crean and Gross is Gross, I think the debate is over. I don't think reasonable minds can differ whether he should get it another year. I think it's over. He, he got his chance. It's time to move on. Tom Crean, I think there are reasonable lines can go either way on him at this point, to be honest. Personally, I think for a program like Indiana, it's probably time to turn the page. Um, But that said, you know, you can't ignore the fact that he has made a bunch of Sweet 16s. He's won a couple Big Ten titles. They've had some really, really good teams, you know, under him. They've turned out NBA-type talent. They've recruited pretty well, um, but, you know, you, you do have to sit back, and I know I'm going to get some heat for this, bringing up the early years of his tenure, but you have to bring up that this is year nine, as I mentioned, and for the reasons I mentioned, I think Indiana's going to miss the NCAA tournament this year, and this will be the fifth time in nine seasons under Crane 
that they will miss the NCAA tournament. And the second time in the last four years, um, that those are not great achievements for a program like Indiana. I know some people argue that Indiana isn't quite on the same tier as Kentucky or Duke and whatnot. You know what? Even if you acknowledge that, even if you say, okay, you know what? Indiana isn't as big as those programs. You can't act like you are. Indiana is still the most historically significant program in the big 10. I know I'm going to get some crap for that, but it's true. Uh, They are, and they have the most national cachet. They're going to recruit on average the best, you know, other programs, you know, like Maryland right now is at a great run on the recruiting trail, but year in year out, Indiana is going to be the team that's going to be bringing in the most McDonald's all Americans. That's just how it goes as a program, you know, look at, look at, you know, you look at a Michigan state, you know, obviously they've had an outstanding run. You know, they're recruiting really well under Izzo right now, but I don't know what that program is without Izzo. I don't know if anyone does. And we'll see how that changes in the years to come. But we know Indiana is a really, really solid program. We know they have that national uh, cachet. And I think I think you have to have higher expectations uh, than your average team. So with that kind of in there, Crane has underachieved on those expectations. I understand, you know, people acknowledge, hey, Big Ten titles, uh, you know, craziness of the NCAA tournament. You can't put too much weight into there. Totally fair and valid points. Totally fair. But you also have to acknowledge the point that there is no, there is no reason on earth Indiana should not be in the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry. I understand you might have injuries here and there. I understand you might have some unexpected attrition, but – you know, take this year. The biggest thing that's killing Indiana this year is not OG and OB going out. It's the fact that they don't have a functional point guard. And Yogi Ferrell did not become a senior and graduate overnight. That Everyone knew that was coming. Tom Crane has had, what, three years to develop a legitimate backup point guard. And I, I don't want to rip on Indiana's guards too hard because, you know, Newkirk has made some plays. Robert Johnson has made some plays. Blackman has made some plays here and there. You know, they've, they've had some really good games, but the turnovers are a massive, massive issue this year. You know, in turnover rate, they're 319th nationally. And the biggest part of that is because they do not have Yogi Ferrell. And, you know, I know some people are going to come back and say, well, they've always struggled with turnovers under Crean. I get that, but it hasn't been the mind-numbing execution errors that it has been this year. They've really elevated it to a new level and they can't attack and transition the same way they did last year. And part of that's Farrell, part of that's, you know, Troy Williams, a lot of people undersold him as a player. He was killer in those transition sets, but you know, Indiana, they are lacking that lead guard to really initiate the offense, to push them in transition. Cause we, we all know that Tom Green generally likes to run, um, Maybe not as much recently, but I, I think his preferred style would be to run if they could. Um, and that, that's the part that Anobi factors in. But in my opinion, the biggest thing killing them is that they don't have that lead guard to really pursue things. Um, and the, the defense has been an issue. There's no debating that. And a lot of people, again, well, I'm sorry, I keep trying to counter these theoretical arguments here, but I think it's worth worth acknowledging that the defense has dropped off, but part of that is because of the turnovers. You know, <laughs> if you're giving up all these easy possessions and stuff, you're going to be constantly caught into bad positions. You're going to have to fight for extra possessions. Um, I think you see that with the other side of today's game and with Michigan. Michigan plays well when they're holding on to the ball. They play really well when they're getting turnovers and things like that because, you know, We'll, we'll say theoretically, you know, Michigan goes down, they feed off a turnover off of Indiana, get an easy bucket. They're going to have forever to go back down and get set on defense, which is going to just make things tougher on Indiana. So I, I think that's one of those things that kind of balloons. Now, obviously the defense is a, is a significant issue across the board, but Indiana has had relatively mediocre defenses and been good enough to make the NCAA tournament. You know, two years ago, the year they made it and lost to Wichita State in that really tight game, they were worse on defense than they are this year. But they were better on offense, they were more consistent, and they could make the plays at the end of the games to get the big wins. So 
I think they're lacking that lead guard. And, you know, as I mentioned, Yogi Ferrell did not graduate overnight. Crane's had years to fix this issue. He's recruited big uh, and talented guards and, and just hasn't been able to fix it. Um, and, you know, I, I was, I brought this up on Twitter today because, you know, as I, as I was mentioning, uh, you know, one of the other discussions is, well, Indiana has a lot of injuries this year. You know, Anobi, Hartman, they've had Blackman in and out. You know, he hasn't been as good since he's come back from injury. That's fair. There's no debating that the injuries have limited Indiana. However, we do need to acknowledge that, first off, uh, you know, they was, they aren't devastating. You know, Hartman happened before the season, unless I'm forgetting wrong. They still beat Kansas and North Carolina without him. You know, second, this is still a very, very talented starting lineup for Indiana. And here's the stats on it. Indiana's current starting lineup, current. This is not with Anobi. This is not with Hartman. This is the current lineup that they started today against Michigan. Two five-stars who are both coincidentally rated 20th overall in the country. Two four-stars. One of them was a top 50 recruit. One was a top 100, and then a three-star, which was Josh Newkirk, who is a transfer, who was 120th in the country. So they have four top 100 players starting in their lineup, two five-stars, including two top 20 players. And, by the way, they have another top 50 player on their roster on the bench. So there is plenty of talent to make things work. Is there, is there enough talent to override those injuries and win the Big Ten or something? No, there isn't. I, you know, To be fair, there isn't, but enough to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, this Michigan team that they lost to twice is not that great. You know, is Northwestern that outstanding this year? I don't know. I mean, they still lost to Nebraska at home. They still lost to Fort Wayne on the road. And that was when they had most, you know, Blackman was still fine, uh, at least in that game. I know Anobi was uh, uh, limited, but they're just, I I feel like these excuses are, are getting a little dramatic here. And the reason I bring up the overall tenure of a coach is because you have to. I'm sorry. I understand that Tom Crane stepped into a mess when he took over, and they did improve, you know, each of his first four, really five seasons. You know, they got better and better and better and better. But you have to take a coach's full record into account. And even if you want to exclude year one, he still has barely made the NCAA tournament more than he's missed it. And I'm sorry, making the NCAA tournament is not that hard. You don't have to be that good to make it. You know, winning Big Ten titles is one thing. Qualifying for a 64 or 68 team field, not that hard. And I'm sorry to put it like that, but it's true. Um, you know, spinning off of that, on the other, as I said, though, you know, Cream has achieved some, some big stuff. You know, those two Big Ten titles are significant. Uh, those couple seasons where they were top five, top 10 caliber teams, those were significant. You know, the wins over Kentucky were significant. Um, the Sweet 16s were significant. So, I mean, I can really see it both ways. You know, for my money, I don't think he will be fired this spring. I think he will get at least one more season to try to turn it around. And maybe this will be one of those, you know, every good season buys him at least one more year uh, <laughs> or maybe two years, so to speak. But I think uh, I think he will get one more year. But you know, I, I think he's going to be just like he was entering the 2015-16 season. Pressure is going to be through the roof, and they're going to have to perform because if they have another year like they have this year, which uh, you know we already talked about the schedule, this thing could get way worse than it could uh, get better. I mean, they could finish below 500. It's not uh, that crazy of a proposition. Um, given the fact that, you know, they're underdogs in four more games. If they lose those four more games, they're 15 and 15. And then it's a 50-50 coin toss game against Northwestern to determine whether they're 500 or below, or, you know, above or below 500 for the regular season. So don't count that out as a possibility. Uh, But I, I would say the end of my story here is I think you can go either way as far as Tom Green this season as far as the hot seat. Um, And the biggest reason why I think you have to at least wait out one more year, or at least why the program will want to um, is 
you don't know if you can get a better coach. You know, we talked about some of the free agent people. I don't think Indiana can pull Greg Marshall. I don't think they can pull some of these guys. You know, Indiana doesn't quite have that much cachet. Uh, and, you know, the big, the big fish, which everyone's always talked about for years, Brad Stevens, he's not going to leave the Celtics to come back to the Hoosiers. You know, the comparison I draw a lot is Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. I know this is crossing sports here, but, you know, they had this outstanding coach. They kind of fiddled around, were mediocre for year after year. And they finally were able to get Harbaugh, you know, a legitimately elite coach in that respective sport. And obviously Michigan, you know, have they won national titles or anything? No, but they're, you know, back-to-back double-digit win seasons. You know, Michigan football is clearly in better shape than they were when he first arrived um, <clears throat> and are at least in that nationally elite conversation. Um, I think and fans are going to hope, at least Hoosier fans, that they can get a similar situation with Brad Stevens, but the Celtics are not like the 49ers. They're not going to – completely destroy themselves and force Kareem, or uh, Stevens down to the college ranks. And even then, NBA teams will move on him. Um, I think the window for, for, frankly, the window for Stevens has passed. I do think he would be a significant upgrade. This is my own honest opinion, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think you need to look at current college coaches, and I don't know if there is a clear upgrade that you will for sure get. So that's the biggest reason I think they're going to – hold out at least for one more year. Um, and as I said, I, I think it's, it's very in between. There is no clear definitive answer at this point, but, but with that, I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of hot takes I'm sure in there, I'm sure some people are going to be raging about uh, where I stand on that, but whatever, that's, that's how we roll here. Um, I encourage everyone to check out BT powerhouse over the next uh couple of weeks. We have a ton of great stuff up there right now. You know, we have a mock Big Ten tournament bracket right now. We have uh, that piece I mentioned on John Gross. We got recaps of Sunday's game. A lot of outstanding stuff. Encourage everyone to get there. If you want to follow me on Twitter, um, I'm at TBendit. Um, if you want to follow BT Powerhouse at BT Powerhouse, um, check us out. We'll have a lot more great stuff. And, and thanks again for everyone for joining us. Bye-bye.